Welcome to Blind Date with Knowledge. This is a weekly half-hour talk show featuring Queen's University researchers and scholars. The show seeks to unravel the dynamic world of research at the university by discussing the significance to and benefits of research on everyday lives. I'm Barry Kaplan, the show's host. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 101.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston, located in Carruthers Hall. All of the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca research. Today, my guest is Leela Viswanathan. Get that right? Yes, you did. Okay, thank you. I've been practicing, but, you know, I was nervous. <laughs> um, Leela is an associate professor in the Department of Geography and Planning, whose research focuses on the intersection of planning, equity, and diversity. She has an ongoing SSHRC-funded project, and I'd like you to tell us what those letters stand for, that aims to improve Indigenous municipal relations in the context of land use planning in southern Ontario. She is the principal investigator for the Planning and Indigenous Peoples Research Group. So, Leela, thank you so much for being here as I rustle my uh, my papers. No worries. Let's let's start by giving giving our listeners a, a kind of a foundation of what it is you do, especially around the, the indigenous non-indigenous context. Sure. So uh, the work that I'm doing right now, for the research project, is trying to find out ways in which planners and indigenous peoples, and some planners are indigenous peoples as well to think about how we can enhance relationships between municipalities and Indigenous peoples on terms that they set together. And so when I'm looking at this work and I'm looking at how land use planning in particular has an impact on these relationships, we really start to think about what does it mean for cities to be located on traditional and treaty territories of First Nations? and Indigenous peoples. And then when we look at cities that way, what does planning mean? What does it look like? We can ask those deeper philosophical questions, but practitioners really want to know what they can do and how they can participate in enhancing those relationships. Can you give me and the listeners an example of where these two worlds meet? When we're looking at land use planning in particular, and um, I'm going to launch sort of into that, um, planning is future-oriented, and context means everything in planning. So in southern Ontario, land use planning in Indigenous and in non-Indigenous contexts, they're not mutually exclusive. They're connected. And we have to think about it in that way. We, we mustn't think of ourselves as human beings living in different worlds. We're sharing this world. So what does, what does land use planning look like? And where, do, where is it connected? So that being said, land use planning is also a process. And planners are responsible for having to figure out what people want, um, what they need, in order to improve their quality of life. And... That quality of life can be affected by increasing population, decreasing population, and limited resources. So 
With that in mind, land use planners conventionally will look at, okay, how do we build some infrastructure? And by infrastructure, I mean housing, it could be roads, it could be bridges, um, it could be social services like hospitals, fire halls, schools, or it could also mean managing water and managing waste. So land use planning in this context might be viewed as purely a technical exercise, but historically, Indigenous peoples were displaced to reserves. And that was to allow for colonial development, colonial settlement. And ideally, land use planning should engage with communities. But historically, Indigenous peoples, that, and by Indigenous peoples, I mean First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whether they're living on or off reserve, and more often than not in cities these days, they've been excluded and their perspectives have been ignored. So for Indigenous communities like Walpole Island First Nation, who's a, a partner on our research project, and their uh, traditional territories are in uh, the Chatham-Kent region, Windsor region in southern Ontario, uh, their land use practices also involve technical practices like building infrastructure, all those things that I mentioned. But what's different is that the land is where their heritage is rooted. And by heritage, I mean their culture, spirituality, the connection with their peoples, and their human connection is rooted in that land. So if we're, um, if we're talking about property ownership, um, you know, to be clear, um, property ownership and land ownership are not necessarily the same thing. Hmm. You know, the Indian Act, which still exists, um, has required Indigenous communities to have the technical and legal knowledge to be able to negotiate how their um, rights are protected and how they manage, um, how they negotiate what they are able to do on the lands that the Crown, so-called, gave them. If we think of land ownership as different than property ownership, then we think of land ownership as rooted in Aboriginal, that's using the federal government's term, Aboriginal treaty and inherent rights to the land. Hmm. If we talk about property ownership, we're really talking about private property. And then you cue in philosopher John Locke here, and it becomes this notion of private property, which is enacted in laws that you and I may see every day when we're walking through in the city. So you might think that land ownership and property ownership are the same thing, but they're really not. I mean, one, land ownership is guaranteed in, um, in terms of Aboriginal inherent treaty rights in our Canadian constitution. Private property and property ownership is a, is a different system. It's a different way of understanding things. And the mistake that's often made by planners and by students and by lots of folks is that Indigenous peoples can't fathom land ownership, when in fact, that's a myth. And we need to understand land ownership in terms of Aboriginal treaty rights. So it's a constitutional thing. It's a legal thing. But it's also a, a lived thing in terms of people's connection to land. It's, it's fascinating that when I hear you talk, you're obviously passionate and it's very socially conscious that there are people who are doing the kind of work that you're doing at a very humanistic level, but still it's encased in this old legalistic structure. So how can you do the work that you want to do 
if the laws are, you know, back in the 19th century. We're, 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 we're stuck at times, and it can be really frustrating. And, um, and yet I'm working with a passionate group of individuals and a really skilled uh, group of individuals who understand their own histories as well. Uh, and so we work together on this. So the work that we've been doing through um, the SHIRK project, and SHIRK means Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada, they've graciously uh, given us five years' worth of funding to struggle with this concept, this idea of how do you enhance these Indigenous municipal relations. So building on your point, how do we work in this system? We have to change the system. And one of the the, the biggest uh, outcomes of this project that we had aimed for was to change provincial policy. Because Walpole Island First Nation and the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nation, our project partners, came to us and said, you know, we're getting all of these development requests from our from the city of Toronto or municipalities in the greater Toronto area. The Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations traditional territories is Toronto. Think of all of Toronto. Think of the greater Toronto area. Think about all the development that's happening and the rate at which it's happening. So planners want to do the right thing and consult. And Carolyn King from Mississauga's New Credit First Nation and Janet Macbeth from Walpole Island First Nation, they took it on themselves to go and talk to different municipalities. But think about that. I mean, it's it's this piecemeal process. They're running a, a tight operation, not many people to work with um, in their units. And they're saying, okay, we can't keep doing this. There's got to be a better way. We need to stem the flow of paper that's coming to our table. So we decide, we realized, well, municipalities need to follow guidelines that the province sets. Planners are linked to the plans. They're linked to the directives. And municipalities are linked to the directives of the province. So we took it upon ourselves to say, we need to change land use planning policy. How do we do that? Well, we happened to have this opportunity where a policy window opened. And the 2005 version of the provincial policy statement, which is a directive, um, simply put, it's a directive that municipal planners and municipalities have to follow and align their official plans with. So we strategically, so this is a strategic outcome, we strategically put together recommendations. Um, We went to the public consultations across southern Ontario. Um, Carolyn and Janet had private consultations with the ministries. And together, along with our Queen's Urban Planning, Urban Regional Planning graduate students and our partner um, graduate students in environmental studies from the University of Waterloo, we were able to put together recommendations that ultimately meant that for the first time, the 2014 version of the provincial policy statement recognized for the very first time First Nations as they're understood in um, the Canadian Constitution as Aboriginal peoples, Métis and Inuit, and also for the first time began to address this idea and the necessity to consult with First Nations. So that is a big deal. And it opened up 
for some, a can of worms to say, how are we going to go about doing this? Right. So part of our work is to think about and work with municipalities to see how First Nations, Métis, and Inuit have been reflected in official plans. So something concrete. Uh, sure. Uh, what do you see or what does your group see as the sort of the next couple of important steps or milestones or deliverables in this process? So this policy change was something that we had not anticipated would happen so early in this project. It, it happened in 2014, and we thought we'd need five years for that to happen. It's one of these things that we were amazed uh, to be part of and to achieve early on. So uh for us, I think there's several outcomes, but one concrete one that I think a lot of people can relate to is education and training. Mm -hmm. That planners are craving to figure out not just how to connect with First Nations, but what it is that they can do. Is it in their job descriptions? Um, is it in official plans so that they actually have something to turn to to say, we're going to, this is what we need to do? Right. <clears throat> They're also learning that there are a number of First Nations who have their own consultation agreements that municipalities can follow. Hmm. So they have stipulations in terms of how they've liked to be consulted. And there are the others who are working on those right now. So these are exciting times where folks hopefully are be going to begin to meet each other halfway. Uh, but you know, you have to pick up the phone and you have to get the conversation going. You can't just write letters and follow the directives that, you know, send a letter within 30 days of this development decision. You have to be more proactive. Determine that you want to have a relationship, not just when it's necessary for a project or for a development, but that it's something that you want to do, that you need to do. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 101.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston, located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca slash research. My guest in this episode is Dr. Leela Viswanathan, Professor of the Queen's Department of Geography and Planning. If you have a question about anything related to the res to research that you'd like us to discuss on this show, or if you have a specific question for uh, Leela in this case, please email me, Barry Kaplan at bdwk at cfrc.ca. Thank you very much for tuning in. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.